And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today is Dr. E. Calvin Beisner, the founder and national spokesman of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. Cal, it's great to have you here today with us. Thank you, Dan. It's a privilege. Uh, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you and just uh, share some thoughts with, with your listeners around the country. You know, I think I've uh, heard your name before, and somehow we connected on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's one of the benefits of having a presence on Facebook, so you can meet new friends, and uh, sometimes we get an interview out of it. So praise the Lord. Yeah. Um, you are a um, former Christian college and seminary professor. Um, understand you've authored over ten books, many many articles. Uh, you're a speaker at churches and colleges, other institutions. Maybe you can tell us what your group does. It's the uh, again the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation, and uh, kind of we'll approach it that way today. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, the Cornwall Alliance is a network of evangelical theologians, scientists, and economists, and some other scholars. Uh, about 60 scholars in the network, uh, roughly evenly divided among those three major specialties of theology, economics, and science, who are dedicated to pursuing, promoting, uh, through education and personal action, uh, three things. The first is biblical earth stewardship, or what we call godly dominion, uh, picking up on Genesis 1.28, where we say, see that God says to Adam and Eve, uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and everything that moves on the face of the earth. Uh, and that godly dominion we see as, as being men and women created in the image of God, uh, laboring together to enhance the beauty, the fruitfulness, and the safety of the earth to the glory of God and the benefit of our neighbors, thus addressing simultaneously the two great commandments, to love God and to love neighbor. Uh, The second major thing that we're trying to promote is economic development for the very poor. Think in terms of, of, say, sub-Saharan Africa, places where people live on an average of about $1.25 a day U.S., uh, which is basically abject poverty and brings with it very high rates of disease and premature death, as well as all kinds of other troubles. And so we want to see uh, those areas develop economically so the people are lifted out of poverty and begin to have far lower rates of disease and premature death. They live longer, healthier, more productive, uh, and frankly, more, uh, more, uh, more happy lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third uh, thing that we want to promote is the proclamation and defense of the gospel of Christ in a world that is permeated by an environmentalist movement whose worldview, theology, and ethics are overwhelmingly anti-Christian, whose science and economics are frequently very poorly done, whose uh, policies, uh, therefore, often don't actually do much good for the natural environment around us, but are very, very harmful to the world's poorest, and even harmful to people in developed countries as well. Uh, and this, this emphasis on evangelism not only is in response to the, the, uh, the anti-Christian worldview and theology and ethics of the environmental movement, but also is in recognition of the fact that we're not going to do the first two goals, that is, uh, godly earth stewardship, godly dominion, 
and economic development for the poor. We're not going to do those two well unless we have people whose lives have been transformed, uh, uh, liberated from the dominance of sin by the, uh, by the gospel of Christ. Uh, and so the dominion mandate of Genesis 1.28 really ties together with the great commission of Matthew 28.19, where Jesus tells his disciples to make uh, disciples of all nations, baptizing them in, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you. Uh, godly dominion, uh, biblical earth stewardship, uh, economic development for the poor, those do not those do not happen automatically, and they certainly don't happen in the absence of a properly biblical worldview and the love of neighbor and a love of God and appreciation for his creation that come from the reconciliation of sinners with the holy and loving God through Jesus Christ. Mm, well, that states it well. Thank you so much. I, I'm excited about your group. Um, you're, you're certainly teaching me a lot about it. The uh, biblical earth stewardship, I, I love that model. Um, you know, years ago, uh, growing up as a boy, we used to hear about conservation, and I think there was a magazine, The Conservationist, and that sort of thing. Um, and I'm troubled how that, that seemingly good um, emphasis has now morphed into almost a worship of the earth. Yeah, I think there is an awful lot of that. And one thing that we do need to keep in mind when we say that is that an awful lot of people's worship is not particularly explicit. Uh, that is, uh, I, I think many people worship wealth. Who yes. wouldn't say, okay, uh, you know, here's my altar to wealth, and I'm going to bow down and, and say prayers to it, or something like that. Right. And a lot of people worship the state. Mm-hmm. And again, most people would not, uh, would not say, that's what I'm doing. Many people worship power. Many people worship sex. So also, many people worship the natural world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yet, we can't say, in the case of a lot of those people, that they're intentionally going about that. Uh, Worship is such a deep part of who we are, uh, such a deep part of of human uh, human life, that often it is almost, uh, uh, I, I won't say unconscious, but rather it's unrecognized. We don't realize what we're worshiping. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the case with a, a lot of the environmental movement. And, and what, what helps us to realize this is to see how worldview drives worship. Um, that is, for example, if you are an atheist secularist, and you believe that the material universe is all it is, well, that is the ultimate thing. Uh, the very liberal theologian, whom I don't trust for an awful lot, uh, but I think he had a, a decent insight here, said that, that whatever is a person's ultimate concern really functions as that person's God. Well, uh, for atheists and uh, secularists, the material universe is the ultimate concern. That is, it is its sure. God, uh, his God. Well, similarly, for the pantheist, uh, somebody who believes that the universe is God, God is the universe, God is everything, uh, well, uh, that means, again, that the universe is his ultimate concern, which uh, betrays, by the, uh, by the way, the fact that really there's no distinction between atheism and pantheism. And most environmentalism, almost all of it, is either atheistic secularist 
or it's pantheist, God is everything, or panentheist, God is to the universe as the soul is to the body, or animist, uh, there are lots of little gods, and they ha- inhabit rocks and trees and mm-hmm. animals and mountains and uh, lakes and streams and so on. Um, in, in any case, all of those positions are what we would call monistic or oneist. Uh, Dr. Peter Jones with Truth Exchange, uh, the name of which is based on uh, Romans chapter 1, where, where Paul says that people exchange the truth of God for the lie. Uh, Dr. Peter Jones has uh, has coined the terms oneism and twoism. Oneism denies the creator-creature distinction. And when you do that, you can't come up with anything more ultimate than the universe itself. And therefore, the universe becomes your god. If you are a twoist, you affirm the creator-creature distinction. You affirm that, that an infinite, eternal, and unchangeable spirit uh, created the universe. And the universe includes spirits as well as matter and energy, Um, but it is all created. And so there's this distinction between creator and creature, and therefore you can maintain the the worship of the one true God rather than winding up worshiping the creature, as Paul describes in Romans chapter 1. What happens with so much environmentalism is that the environment, either because environmentalists tend to be atheist or secularist here in the Western world or uh, through much of the Eastern world and then now recently permeating the Western world, uh, they tend to be pantheistic, panentheistic, or animistic. Uh, They tend to see the world as ultimate and therefore it becomes their god. So yeah, they, they do tend to worship the creature rather than the creator. And then that leads them to ignore the fundamental difference between human beings and the rest of the creation. Human beings alone, according to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, are created in the image of God. And that means that although humans are on the creature side of the creator-creature distinction, they are on the creator side of the distinction between the image of God and non-image of God, Mm -hmm. which is why God invites us to participate with him in ruling over his creation in Genesis 1, 28. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, what we'll do is take a short break. Today on the phone with us is Dr. E. Calvin Beisner. He is the founder and national spokesman of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. And stay with us. We'll be back on the other side of the break. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 
2461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I am Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today is E. Calvin Beisner, Ph.D., the founder and national spokesman of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. And, uh, Cal, during our break, I was just noticing here on the computer also that you have a website. It's cornwallalliance.org. And I'm wondering, do you find that many people visit that website? Well, yeah, and uh, I think we've got a lot of very valuable information there, everything from very brief articles and newsletters that we keep online to some quite major papers that have been done over the years uh, for the Cornwall Alliance, mm. always by teams of theologians and scientists and economists so that we can bring a truly interdisciplinary uh, solution to the very interdisciplinary problems that face our world. Uh, so we're, we're, we're trying to keep things... Uh, such that people can find everything from brief, simple, uh, layman-friendly stuff to to much longer, more complex stuff uh, suitable for scholars. So cornwallalliance.org is the place to go for that. We have a, a weekly electronic newsletter that is totally free, and all of the uh, all of the printed resources are you know, the, the posted resources on the net are are free as well. We also produce a 12-lecture uh, uh, series, a DVD series, called Resisting the Green Dragon that exposes the anti-Christian worldview, theology, and ethics and the poor science and economics of much of the environmental movement and contrasts it with biblical earth stewardship, uh, as well as discussing uh, how the environmental movement uh, is infiltrating churches uh, capturing the imaginations of the young through both the educational system and the, uh, the media, the entertainment uh, industry. And uh, additionally, it's how, how it harms the world's poor, and particularly how it threatens the sanctity of human life, mm. uh, because it is wedded with, it is tied with the uh, population control movement, and therefore promotes uh, policies of of uh, uh, you know, family planning, uh, intentionally limiting uh, fertility rates, uh, in fact, uh, often even coerced or very highly incentivized sterilization, uh, that is, uh, you know, making it so that men or women are no longer able to, uh, to beget children, uh, and then also abortion, uh, not just voluntary, but often coerced or highly incentivized abortion. Mm-hmm. So we cover all of those things. We also have a uh, half-hour documentary in that DVD series and a uh, uh, leader's guide on it that can be printed out from a PDF on the first of the four discs uh, that includes quotations, it includes outlines for all the talks, and uh, additional quotations from other sources to, to fill things out, as well as as references. So uh, essentially, it's a curriculum in a box for a uh, Christian school quarter, Sunday school quarter, homeschool quarter, and so on. Uh, it can be used in all sorts of other ways as well. That, Resisting the Green Dragon, is available at its own website, resistingthegreendragon.com. Oh, that's beautiful. Um 
You had mentioned at the beginning of our discussion that uh, the three points, the biblical earth stewardship, the economic development of the very poor, those in abject poverty, mm-hmm. and the proclamation of the gospel. And it's a matter of getting first things first. In other words, that um, these other uh, actions and worldviews really flow from a changed heart. Um, yes. A love for Jesus Christ, a belief that that his word applies to our lives. And um, I'm thinking about one issue that I, I've been troubled about, and that is um, the idea of developing our own energy uh, here. Let's just talk America for a minute. Um, uh, it seems that we have a resource-rich um, nation, and yet there's so many obstacles to developing our own resources and, and harvesting, let's say, energy. Um, have you have you encountered that in, in your discussions and research? Yeah, we have. And uh, this is one of those situations where, where good intentions must be coupled with sound science and sound economic analysis because, you know, folks with totally laudable intentions, uh, very, very fine godly motives, uh, can find themselves on, on quite opposite sides in mm-hmm. debates over energy policy. And what that means is that we can't decide who's right by saying, well, who's the good guy? <laughs> sure. Uh, who's the one who really loves Jesus and really loves his neighbor? Uh, the fact is they both really love Jesus, right. really love the neighbors. And then it comes down to questions of, of science and of economics. Uh, and what what we find is that many many times uh, environmental organizations, uh, nonprofits, uh, and by the way, there there are thirteen thousand plus uh, nonprofit organizations uh, registered with the IRS in the United States that describe themselves as environmental. Uh, their annual budgets uh, each, uh, are, are are over twenty one billion dollars combined. Mm. So it's a very big movement. Uh, uh, what we find is that many times these environmental organizations work on the basis of very poorly done science uh, and poorly done economic analysis. Let me give you one example, and I think this is particularly important to evangelicals, many of whom, most of whom, really uh, value human life and and therefore are opposed to abortion. Um, uh, In the early 2000s, uh, a number of environmentalists began to claim that mercury emissions from coal-fired power plants were exposing infants in the womb in America to dangerous levels of mercury uh, poisoning, uh, and that the result was that about one in six American infants was at significant risk of suffering, quote, uh, devastating permanent brain damage, unquote. Mm. Uh, this was the language used, for example, by the Evangelical Environmental Network, uh, whose leaders are all pro-life people. Uh, they, they all are anti-abortion. Uh, and yet, later scientific analysis found that the actual, uh, the actual number at risk of infants in the womb is more like about one in a thousand than one in six. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the effect on the brain development is not permanent uh, devastating brain damage, but rather 
a delay in neurological development that is so slight that only a trained specialist using specially designed tests can recognize it. It disappears in most by about age two, in almost all by about age seven. And in those in whom it persists, it amounts to the equivalent of about a half a point reduction in IQ, which is less than the standard variance uh, in identical twins raised in the same household. <laughs> In other words, it is it is certainly not devastating and is not generally permanent brain damage. It's very, very tiny. Now, also important to this is the fact that none of this risk is intentional. Nobody sets out in burning coal to create electricity. Nobody sets out to harm infants. But the difference between that and abortion is huge. In mm -hmm. abortion... Roughly one in one ch uh, children targeted by abortion is dead. Yes. We don't even talk about <laughs> devastating permanent brain damage. There's no functioning brain left there. Yes. It's dead, and it's intentionally dead. And the, uh, the crucial thing here is to recognize the difference between the good science that says, yeah, uh, here we go, uh, for every abortion there's a dead baby, uh, almost, and the bad science that says you know, one in six infants exposed to high risk of devastating permanent brain damage. That's bad science. Mm -hmm. And also the good ethics of saying, yeah, in pursuing good goals, sometimes risks happen. And indeed, in pretty mm -hmm. much all things that we do, we have risks. For example, there's you, you have a greater, uh, there, there is a greater risk of Americans dying because they slip and fall in their bathtubs than because they work in coal mines. Yes. So life is not risk-free, ever. But the fact that some risks come along with good activities does not equate those with the intentional evil of killing children mm. in abortion. So true. You know... We have maybe about four minutes left, and um, I think where the discussion is heading right now, and maybe we can conclude on it, is the notion that people, uh, people, really are our greatest resource. And before you touched upon those who would want to limit population growth, and I'm thinking, wow, um, I, you know, bring on those babies because that's a that's a wonderful thing. And particularly um, people I'm around, you know, Christian couples, when they have um, what we call covenant children, they're yes. bearing these children and raising them after the the precepts of God. Um, that is just a remarkable giving. Uh, to society of of something that's very good and healthy, yes. and will result in 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 more um, functional families. Can you talk a little bit about people being our greatest resource? Oh, absolutely! I'd love to talk about it for hours. <laughs> in fact, I wrote a, a whole book that focuses basically on that issue. Oh. Uh, the book. Uh, uh, Prospects for Growth, a Biblical View of Population Resources in the, uh, the Future. Mm. Uh, the fundamental distinction between how environmentalists see people and how the Bible sees people is this. Environmentalists see us as fundamentally consumers and polluters. We use up the Earth's resources and we poison the planet while we're at it. The Bible sees us as made in God's image to be productive and to have even uh, a 
I'll, I'll say it this way, a redemptive role. I don't mean in terms of redeeming souls from sin, sure. but rather restoring uh, uh, what has been harmed. We have the image of God, and having been reconciled with God through the blood of Jesus Christ, and even by common grace for those who are not believers in Christ, it is possible for us to do much good. Real resources are not just raw materials that we find in the world. Rather, resources are raw materials transformed and usually also transported so that they become services to us. Mm. And it's people who do the transforming and transporting. And because God made us with minds and hands, we actually can make more resources than we can consume in our lifetimes, which explains why the long-term price trend of every extractive resource, whether mineral, plant, or animal, is downward. Mm -hmm. And since price measures scarcity, falling price means falling scarcity, which means that resources are getting more abundant over time, not less abundant, which is counterintuitive but understandable if we understand the nature of human beings made in God's (laughs) image. That's why people are... Not the ultimate resource, as my dear friend and mentor, the late Dr. Julian Simon, called us, mm-hmm. uh, but rather the penultimate resource. Mm. God is the ultimate resource who made everything out of nothing and sustains it all by the word of his power. Well, praise the Lord. Today we've been talking with Dr. E. Calvin Beisner, founder, national spokesman of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. I, I just love that name. Cal, um, in the... 30 seconds remaining. If someone wants to learn more, maybe contact you, maybe read some of your books, please give us a web address where, where they can find out more. Now they can come to two different addresses, cornwallalliance.org, that's cornwallalliance.org, uh, for uh, lots and lots of different uh, written materials, and then also to resistingthegreendragon.com. That's resistingthegreendragon.com for a uh, 12-part video DVD lecture series as well as a a thorough book on the subject of Resisting the Green Dragon, Dominion, Not Death. Uh, And then they can also find us on Facebook, uh, Facebook groups, uh, Cornwall Alliance, and we have a very lively, stimulating discussion going on there every day. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on A Plain Answer. And uh, this uh, episode is up on our website. Check it out at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Cal, the Lord bless you, brother. Thank you, Dan. The Lord bless you as well. (laughs) For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Quick reminder, join us next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.